Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast, a real look at single parenting, how to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids on your own while keeping sane. We cover all manner of subjects from domestic violence, dealing with childhood trauma, through to fussy eaters and how to help your kids become resilient. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. This week's guest is appearing on the show for a second time. Doug Knoll is a mediator and a peacemaker who teaches people how to listen and validate others' emotions, which he calls listening others into existence. He believes everyone has a deep need to be heard and validated, and that listening and validating somebody's emotions is the most powerful and precious gift you can give, costing you nothing. Our culture, however, teaches us that emotions are bad and that we have learned from our parents to repress our emotions. This causes people to feel uncomfortable when somebody is crying or angry or whatever, not knowing how to console a grieving friend or deal with a screaming child or even avoid hard conversations. As a result, people don't live in emotional safety Um, and are scared of emotions and even afraid to admit their fears, leading to misery, unhappiness and despair, especially in relationships. Doug's life became one big struggle as he was born nearly deaf, almost blind and crippled with two clubbed feet. He learned that emotions weren't safe and he became numb to his emotions. However, his work as a mediator and peacemaker forced him to confront human emotions straight on, and he discovered how to listen to others in how to listen to others into existence. He taught inmates serving life sentences how to be peacemakers in maximum security prisons, and then taught his skills at the highest levels of government in Washington D.C. Today. He focuses on teaching emotional competency and de-escalating skills based on how our brains are hardwired, which he believes is a solid foundation for empirical neuroscience. This is the Strong, Single and Human podcast. Hi, Doug. Welcome. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Claire. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Crikey, you've come back for a second stint. Like, blimey. Oh, you know, gluttons love punishment. Yeah, no, I know, I know. <laughs> so look, last time we were talking about difficult conversations and mm-hmm. how to try and manage having difficult conversations. And now this time you have, you've started another podcast, which is about listening to leaders, right? So it's a new podcast that you do that where you interview prominent people about listening. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I asked them about their own career trajectories and it's really about amplifying their success, but we eventually pivot to talking about how important is listening in their work. Okay, cool, cool. And like, why, what made you start the new podcast? 
Um, I love podcasting and I love listening. And I wanted to expand my network of influential people. So I thought, what could be a better way to do that than to invite on CEOs and executive people and um, onto my podcast to amplify their work and talk, talk about the things that I really like talking about. I know this podcast in Malarkey is a little bit selfish, isn't it? Because like, if we want to do something, we go, oh, that would be a good idea. Maybe we'll do a podcast on it because then you get out there and you talk to fantastic, interesting people like you um, and you learn so much. Oh, I know. I've learned a tremendous amount. Yeah. 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 No, exactly. Exactly. So like, okay, we're going to get straight to the crux of the matter, right? Listening, right? Why is it so important? Well, true listening, not the listening that we think we know, but the kind of listening that I teach allows you to stop fights and arguments in your life forever. It allows you to build instant trust, loyalty. It allows you to build intimacy in your personal relationships with your partner, your children, your other family members. It is the foundational skill of life. And yet nobody knows how to do it unless they've taken classes with me. Um, and I say that, you know, understanding that it's a pretty strong statement. But the truth of the matter was that I was not a good listener, even though I have two graduate degrees and I've had two careers. One career is a trial lawyer and another career is a peacemaker. Up until 2005, I really didn't know how to listen. And in 2005, I had a, an epiphany about listening and my whole world changed forever. And since that time, I've been teaching people all over the world how to truly listen. And it's transformed lives like you can't believe. And I've, I've used trained these skills in maximum security prisons, training murderers to be peacemakers and stop prison violence, to the U.S. Congressional Budget Office, where I've trained senior analysts how to de-escalate members of Congress. Wow. Blimey. And you would think... Well, you would think with your past jobs, right, as a trial lawyer and also um, as a peacemaker where you went in to um, difficult situations, uh, and that was an understatement for some of the things that you've done, but difficult situations where, um, where you would think you would be a good listener, right, because you need to listen. The problem, the problem is, and this is what I've discovered in all the years that I've been doing this since 2005, is that we're taught how to listen the wrong way. Oh, okay. So come on, let's unpack that then. How, how are we taught? We're taught to listen to words. But words only constitute 7% of the information that a human being, one human being conveys to another. And the rest is emotional information conveyed by facial expression, tonality, uh, speed, and volume of voice, and body language. Ninety-three percent of what we communicate is emotional communication, and we ignore it, completely ignore it. But do we not? Unless, unless somebody's really in your face, and even then, mm. because you don't know what you're doing, you get anxious when somebody's yelling at you or somebody's crying or somebody's upset. Because we don't know how to communicate emotionally, we become anxious, and then we make matters worse by anxiety-soothing behaviors that just piss off the other side. <laughs> yeah. Other. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to put it down in the basics. So, um, but surely all of that, all of the cues that we're picking up, 
from body language, facial expressions, um, as some people even say that we give off a scent or a smell when we're yeah, yeah when we're getting That's aggressive and like anxious and all of those things yeah but like surely that's all natural to us isn't it isn't that like so as we're born as children and that's what we that's the only thing we can pick up on because we don't really understand language or anything like that so shouldn't we be in tune with that how are we not in tune with it because our our culture for the for the western culture especially for the last four thousand years has bought into a myth that now turns out to be a big lie and that is that we're rational beings. Wow. We've been we've been taught wow. for 4000 years that what separates humans from other animals is our rationality. And neuroscientists in the last 20 years have soundly soundly shown that to be an absolute falsity. We are emotional beings, not rational. I like to say we're 98% emotional and only 2% rational. As long as we believe that we're rational beings, we're we're going to see emotions as being toxic. Yeah. And as a result, we're not going to learn how to master emotions. And we're certainly not going to learn how to listen to emotions. Because emotions are to be avoided at all costs, especially negative emotion. And that lead that has led to disaster after disaster after disaster in in our human society. Um, because what happens is if we don't develop emotional competency and we fall into what is a condition known as alexithymia, which is the inability to express our emotions, to read the emotions of other people, then all the studies show that we have very low emotional intelligence. Our decision-making is impaired. We are prone to violence. We're prone to feel negative emotions much stronger. We tend to feel, we tend to have the feeling, the affective experience we have is we feel it somatically in our bodies. For example, uh, you've heard the phrase, I'm so I'm so mad I could put my fist through a wall. Yeah. And I have maybe some... on one occasion. <laughs> okay. So what was going on there? You got so angry, so But upset. nothing was going on there, right? That's the whole thing, right? That's because so um mentally, right, emotional intelligence, and I would say that I have quite a good handle on emotions, mm -hmm. right? And can sit back and understand my anxiety and to take a deep breath and do all of that stuff. But at that point in time, I was at a point of no return, like red mist. Um, and I needed a release. See, this is my therapy session, right? But I needed to release what I couldn't, right. what I couldn't deal with. And that was my one right. release, right? That I got a punch bag in my garage. So, you know, like, don't even go there. So let me let me explain what's going on here. And, that, and what you experience is very, very typical. So when you get triggered into that kind of rage, to your point, the red mist, your emotional centers become highly activated and they shut down your prefrontal Correct. Cortex. You can't think it. You can't think anymore. You can't make any kind of cogent decisions. You don't even understand what's going on. All you have is this huge affective feeling of just, and, and if you can't work with your emotions, then all you, you feel this huge urge to do something violent. You just got to get it out. Well, it's just an explosion to get it, get it out. Right. Exactly. And um, yeah. And then you're okay. And that's the, 
It's very bizarre. Well, you are, well, you are not open. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. You are not open. Um, but this is the source of violence. And it's the source of domestic, all domestic violence abusers have this experience and they're just unable to control themselves. The people that I work with in prison, same problem. I have to say, this and, wasn't a domestic violence situation, by the way. It was no, probably I, I, I'm not, PMT I, I, or whatever. Um, and uh, I don't do it now. Let me put it this way. <laughs> the, point that the point that I'm making is it's very yeah. common. And it's caused by the fact that we are not competent. We're not emotionally competent human beings. And, to, and we have to be trained to be emotionally competent, just like you have to be trained to ride a bicycle. And so that's where listening comes in. Because as you learn how to listen to emotions, for example, which is the deepest form of listening, um, you become more emotionally competent. You become more emotionally self-aware. You become more emotionally, you can regulate your emotions much more easily. And those kinds of red mist moments go away forever. Yeah. Like, but you have to. I haven't had the any. Way you learn to, <laughs> right. The way you learn to do that is by learning how to listen to emotions instead of to words. Okay. And that's where the... So let... So let me get... So I was going to say, like, let's get into it then, right? How, yeah, how do we do that? Into... Okay, you go, go. What I want you to do, Claire, is I want you... Claire, I want you to tell me a story of something that has some emotionality to it. It doesn't have to be very deep, and maybe it's just something that happened in the last couple of days, but just something that had a little bit of zing to it. What? And, and tell me this like like frustrating zing or like whatever, happy whatever, zing or it can be whatever you want positive or negative it doesn't okay. matter oh you've really put me on the spot now um god i'm trying to think oh That's okay all right well, it's a happy like happy happy right so um okay. my son wasn't feeling very well at the weekend and he was putting goal um, because he plays soccer, right? So he was put in goal and he plays soccer. And um, this kid did the most amazing say. Admittedly, he let two in, so that wasn't too good. But this kid did the most amazing saves and the other team could have got quite a few more in. So it was a real proud mummy moment for me because... Um, so you were, you were sitting out in the, in the bleachers watching your boy play soccer and he was put in as a goalie and he made an amazing save and you were just ecstatic and proud and happy and you felt this glow going through you and you felt so much pride and so happy for him and and so much joy that it just made your whole day and yeah. even now thinking about yeah, it yeah and i was i'm sitting there going maybe we should sign him up for norwich city my home my home footy town because um they definitely need some help by the sounds of it <laughs> so you were you were fantasizing that maybe he'll go into a pro yeah, league or, or right. you so and it really made you yeah. happy okay anything else um um i'm trying to think what have i what have i been angry and i'm gonna i'm trying to think of what i've been angry no, no, and no. frustrated about <laughs> but um no 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 claire, claire claire just on the issue of your son's doing oh. that amazing save anything else I Got the whole story out. Anything else about that soccer yeah. story? Um, no, I was just no, okay. I was just really proud. Like it's... I was just really proud of him, and he was, and I was, yeah, and I... he was happy and like, um, yeah, he was just happy and like, and he loves his soccer. So, 
You were both really excited and yeah. happy. All right. So as I was listening to you, what did you experience inside yourself? Well, you sort of live, I, I'm pretty keen aesthetic. So I sort of relive that feeling and that experience and, you know, you sort of picture it in your mind, but you're reliving the feelings that you felt at the time. And how do you, and how do you feel about me listening to you in that Awkward. way? <laughs> um, no, but well, mainly I don't. I don't know if it's my English background because it's like being English. We don't tend to like to put our emotions out there and say. So that's maybe why I found a happy one and not an angry, frustrated one. Um, yeah, I, I'm a, I felt I, I laugh and joke about it, but I felt okay. I didn't feel. I feel quite comfortable and relaxed. I'm hurt. never like really anxious about. Did, did you? Did you feel heard? Yeah, because you did, did. You feel like you were understood. Yeah. Did you feel like your feelings were validated? Yeah. Yeah, and did you feel like you were under, like like I really understood what your experience was? Yeah. There you go. You were deeply listened to. Okay. So that means just be quiet. <laughs> no, no, go on then. Give us so because you were very quiet, but I'm sure that wasn't the only thing you were doing, right? Do, to do the kind of listening that I'm talking about is a three-step process. The first thing you're going to do is ignore the words, especially if they're angry. Because when you ignore the words, you can you won't get triggered and you free up bandwidth to do the next two steps. So you have to make words into white noise. Okay. And that's hard for some people because we've been trained that the words are the most important thing that people are uttering. And in fact, they're the least important for the most part. Then the second step is to read the emotions of the person. And emotions are data, just like numbers on a spreadsheet. And we, we can learn how to read those emotions just like we read data. And we can interpret it. And then we can work with those emotions. So we learn to read the emotions, which is really quite easy because our brains are hardwired to do this. And then the third thing we do is we reflect back the speaker's emotional experience with a you statement. So you notice how it said stuff like, so Claire, you were really happy. You were really excited. You were really proud. You were beside yourself and you just glowed because it was so joyous. And it was your son out there who saved, made, made this incredible save. Notice how it's all you statements. And so when I use you statements, I'm reflecting your experience from your frame of reference, not from mine. If I use that old active listing stuff that doesn't work, it would be something, oh, Claire, what I think you were feeling was happy. The moment I use an I statement, it's I'm talking from my frame of reference. Right, okay. And I'm no longer truly, I'm no longer truly listening to you. It's all about me. So when we're doing deep listening, we're always going to use a you statement, no I statements. Okay, so it's about saying, so it's not about saying, well, what I got from what you were saying was, because that's Never do that. your, then it's that's my that's interpretation. That's right. And you're not, you're listening to me from my frame of reference. Okay. And so when you say, so what you're saying is you were happy, you were, the person, if you, you don't even say oh. that. You don't even say that. You don't even know what you're saying is. 
you simply make a declarative statement. You you were really happy. Yeah. Okay. That's all you do. Fine. It's really simple. And if you've got it wrong, they'll come back and go, no, I wasn't. Or like, if you've misinterpreted. You will, you will almost never get it wrong. But if they do come back and say, no, I wasn't happy. I was ecstatic. Then, okay, you were you weren't. You, I, I'm, not, I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated. Oh, you're really frustrated. The truth is that you got it right, but because they're not emotionally self-aware, they don't even know that they're angry. So a lot of times you get this. It would go like this, and I'll just do do it. So the conversation might still go. Claire, you're really pissed off. No, I'm not pissed off. I'm just frustrated. Oh, Claire, you're really frustrated. You're really upset. You feel disrespected. You feel ignored and unappreciated and unsupported. Yeah. And you feel you're a little concerned about this. Yeah. And you're distressed and upset. Yeah. And you feel abandoned and rejected and unloved and unlovable. Yeah. And the whole thing just really pisses you off. Yeah, I'm really pissed off. Okay. Now, now there was a correction in the beginning. I'm not angry. I'm frustrated. Because they're not even aware of their own anger. So I had to work through these various layers of emotions to get you to a point where you could be calm enough to recognize that, yeah, you're really yeah. angry. And then, and then you can acknowledge. So I always look at a correction as not an error. It's just an opportunity to, to help you go deeper into what you're really experiencing. That's why I say you can never make a mistake doing this. It's impossible to make a mistake as long as you use a you statement. And is that, so I'm probably stating the obvious, is that like what we would call active listening where you're, yeah. okay. So yeah. what's that called, type of listening called, sorry? Active listening is the old Thomas Gordon. He's a psychologist in the 1950s who coined the term. That's when you say something like, what I think you're saying is X, or what I hear you saying is X, or what I think you're feeling is Y. It's it, it's that passive voice I statement. It doesn't work. There is no science to support that it works. It's still being taught everywhere, but it doesn't work. And if it worked, I wouldn't be talking to you because I'd be using it. It does not work. Don't use it. Throw it away. It's garbage. Always has been. Always will be. The use statements is a process known as affect labeling, A-F-F-E-C-T, affect, affect labeling. And it is grounded in hard neuroscience. There are nine brain scanning studies that show what happens to the human brain when you label emotions. And what happens is you've got those emotional centers of the brain are highly activated. As you affect label, they watch the emotional centers diminish and the right ventrolateral prefrontal cortex activate and come back online. So you are literally, you are literally lending your prefrontal cortex to the list to the speaker until the speaker prefrontal cortex comes back online and they can begin to make sense of everything. Yeah. And I would imagine this would have been an awesome skill for you when you were doing the peacemaking side of things. Cause I can imagine it would have been heated situations that you got involved in that you would need to like take the heat out of the emotion out that's, of it. That's right. And, and I didn't have the skill in the beginning. I had to develop it and I discovered it in a very, very difficult conflict. Just, I had an epiphany thinking, what am I going to do with these people? And the thought came to me, listen to the emotions. Wow. And then two years later, in 2007, Lieberman's lab out of UCLA uh, published the first brain scanning studies that show what happens when you engage in affect labeling. 
So that's why we call it reflective listening, because I'm reflecting back. And there are four levels of reflective listening. The first level is mirroring, where I repeat back word for word what you say. The only time I'm going to use mirroring is when you have a recipe you want me to remember, or you're giving me a grocery list to go to, or you've got a task or procedure, and we need to be on the same page, and I need to repeat it back to you so that you know that I understood exactly what it is that I'm supposed to do. Yeah. That's mirroring. Yeah. The only time you ever use mirroring. Then there's paraphrasing which is where I'm going to summarize what you say with my own words using a use statement oh, okay. or messaging. So you'd still use the use, you'd still use the use. Still yeah. Or messaging is where I am going to reflect back with a use statement, your intended meaning, what you're trying to say. How many times have you been uh, talking to somebody and they're just going all over the place and you're looking at your watch saying, my God, how long is it going to take for, for this person to get to the point? I don't know what you mean. What they are doing. They're struggling because they're trying. They're using their speaking as a way of thinking, and so they're trying to process what they mean to say by just talking and talking and talking and hoping the thought will come to them what they're trying to say. Doug, you core message. You're describing every woman there, right? You just described yeah. every woman there, right? So men listening so, to this, right, take note. You core message. You help them find that meaning. And and I teach using I use teaching using metaphor. So for example, I might say something. So it was like so clear. It was like you were. Um, it was like you're out on a winter night with a full moon out, and you were in a park that you've known that you know really well. And it was a beautiful night with the snowflakes coming down, reflecting off the moon. And all of a sudden, this huge wind came up, and it turned into a blizzard, and you got completely lost, and you were completely overwhelmed. Yes. <laughs> And, now, and, and you'll say, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. So that's core message. And then the last level, the deepest level, is affect labeling, where we're going to ignore the words. We're going to read the emotions. And we're going to reflect back the speaker's emotional experience with a use statement. You're angry. You're frustrated. You feel disrespected. You feel ignored, unappreciated. Now, in reality, we typically use paraphrasing, core messaging, and, and affect labeling together. So it's all mixed up. But as I to teach it, I've got to break it down into these four yeah. different skill sets. You have to learn each skill set, and then you you bring them together. And so, would you start at the? Um, I'm trying to think what the first one was. You said because I've got paraphrasing in my mind now. Mirroring is first. The what? Sorry. Mirroring is the mirroring. first level. Of so yes, that's right. So. Would you start at mirroring as the easiest level and then progress on to the other levels till you get to affect listening? I would say paraphrasing is the easiest level. Mirroring is actually difficult because if you're going to read back word for word what another person is saying, you've got to memorize what they're saying as they say it. It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. A paraf so mirroring, paraphrasing yeah. is really where you're saying back your and uh, you're summarizing what, what they've you're yeah. summarizing but the other person is saying in your own words, yeah. using a used it. Yeah. And I tend to do, I do tend to do that a lot, mainly in a work right. environment, because I'm going, right, so what you want me to do is X, Y, and Z. No, what you want me to do is, and now, now you can mirror back. You want me to do this, do this, do this. That would, that would be where you're yeah. doing mirroring. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'm not mirroring because I'm going, I don't know what you actually said, because. Which is why we do this. Because we want we want to embrace our two friends Vera and Clara, so they're these two sisters. Okay, Verify, they're, the, they're the five sisters, Verify and Clarify. Ah, oh. 
And the reason that we want Vera and Thera, Vera and Clara as our best friends is because we want to avoid that really horrible neighbor next next door called misunderstood. Yeah. Okay. I'm loving this. Well done. <laughs> okay. So always always go to Vera and Clara to avoid misunderstood because misunderstood is a bitch. Definitely, she definitely is. But there's, but but I agree with you, right? There's sometimes I work for, um, and not currently, but I have worked for um, some people who are just are working through a solution, right? So um, they're saying, right now, what I want you to do is X, Y, and blah, blah, blah. But they're also thinking, and they're working. They're just running around all these different um, aspects that then it's almost like they're processing what they should be planning to do but but externally verbalizing it to you that's right and so your role as a as a true listener is to core message them so what you're intending what you mean is x and the way you want me to achieve x is that then you mirror you say by doing a b c and d and you never say, is that right? You just oh, okay. It. And if you if it's wrong, if it's wrong, they'll correct you. If it's right, you got it. They'll say, yes, that's what I want. Thank okay. you. Okay. This, because at the end of the day, whether, I mean, I know we're talking about listening here, right? But this all helps with dealing with everyone, right? Like friends, family, kids, job situations, everyone. Everyone. It's the foundational skill of wow. life. But it is. But we, you're right. We don't get taught it. It is. No, we're not taught how to do this. And also, it's we're taught the incorrect way. From what I'm hearing you say, right? I'm listening. We don't. We don't taught the incorrect way. We're not taught anyway by our parents because our parents no. didn't know any better, and we didn't. We didn't know any better, so we we didn't teach our kids very well. Maybe somebody takes an active listening class, and then of course, then they're getting veering way off course because because that just doesn't work. But there's just nobody out there that's really studying deep listening. And so this, or very, I, I, as far as I know, I, I'm one of the, I'm the only person out there that's I teaching this. I haven't stuff. heard of anyone else, Doug. I have to say, I haven't heard of anyone else. Um, so with this, like listening skills, right? Does this then lead on to, um, enhancing other communicational skills that we could have as such and help because i know you're talking to leaders right so have right so so we can kind of list all the different kinds of communication skills that we need to have listening is number one but then we need to be able to communicate ideas and instructions we need to be able to persuade people we need to be able to inspire people and we need to be able to listen to people and we need to be able to build rapport and loyalty and trust, and, and we need to be in integrity. So these are all different forms of communication. By integrity, for example, I mean, we communicate a value and our behaviors and actions are consistent with that value. That's integrity. Yeah. If we communicate a value and our behaviors and actions are inconsistent with that value, then we're out of integrity. And we're not communicating. So I hate to say this because COVID has moved us onto this horrible digital environment, right? So um, I work from home most of the time, right? Okay. 
um, and a lot of the working environment, not so much um, family interaction and things like that, because COVID's now sort of like slinked off to like the dark cave that it came from and um, sort of pops its head out every now and again. But like we are out there seeing family, friends and stuff like that. So we're not sort of you know, FaceTiming family and friends and stuff like that, although I do because my parents are in the UK. But in like I know my work environment, I work from home, right? So I sit and look at people on a little screen, like I am you at the moment because you're in America, right, in a little screen. And I'm just wondering if our listening skills now need to be like at a next level um, because we're not seeing so much of the person, right? We we can't smell them for one. And I'm sure you smell amazing, right? But <laughs> like, I can't smell you through a screen, right? <laughs> so you can't smell if somebody's angry, anxious or whatever, which, you know, with those pheromones being given off, like can't go through a screen, right? Um, and you really only see people from the shoulders up, which, during COVID was, yeah, it was quite good actually because most people That's I'm enough. imagining were in jammies and they just wore their business suit above them. I don't know. But, um, right. yeah, so do we need to adapt right. these listening schools now so that? They work, they work fine over Zoom on, on video. They work fine. They actually work on texting too. Oh, really? They work on social media. Absolutely. I mean, that's Talk obviously you have to be in, in person with somebody, but. Let's unpack that, though, because I feel as though I would prefer to Zoom call somebody in my work environment than to, and, and there's a lot. So in my I, current work environment, we use a lot of messaging. We've got instant messenger, and so you can message a lot. I don't think that's a good, I don't think that's a good way to communicate, generally speaking. But what I mean to say is if somebody gets angry, if somebody sends you an angry text. Yeah. All you have to reply back is say you're really pissed off and angry. You don't feel heard. You don't feel, and you don't feel. So you just use you, you use it, it the set. Okay. Anyway, but you just type it back. I have a, a pretty good social media presence, and so I get a lot of snarky comments. And all I do is I reset back. You're really agitated. You're really pissed off. You're angry. You're frustrated. You feel disrespected. You don't feel like you're being heard. I never hear from them again. What can you say to? <laughs> well, yeah. What can you say? I just to go. That? I'm sorry you feel like that, but like. I, I never apologize. I just say yeah. you are. You feel. Because it validates okay. their feelings. And once they're validated, the feelings go away and then they have no reason to be snarky anymore. So have you heard that, everybody? If anyone's getting social media bullied, just use the you technique. Yeah, you affect label them. Label their emotions. Wow. Okay, that's awesome. That's a great way to deal with a bully. Because, well, they can't come back to you. you and my view is you just my view is you don't argue with them because it's their point of view. And I go, well, everyone has a right for their point of view. I'm not going to high five everyone. You label their emotions. So you say you're really angry. You're really frustrated. You feel completely disrespected. You don't feel appreciated or supported. You feel rejected and abandoned, betrayed, and you're sad and unhappy. Sitting in your little one bedroom eating pizza. <laughs> In your pants. No, right. uh, no, honestly, this could be like, but you're, you're right. They could be anywhere, but that's the imagination that I've got. So bad. You Just, can deal with bullies. You take bullies down in a second with this stuff. Yeah. Oh, yes, exactly. We should be teaching well, this to our kids. We, you're looking for weakness. 
And if you label their emotions, you're doing anything but showing weakness. You're showing great strength. Yeah. Yeah. Should be taught in schools, this thing. <laughs> come on, Doug, come over to Australia I, and teach I, in our schools. I have taught this to teachers and administrators to great effect. Uh, um, I can't get the attention of this stuff. These skills would completely change classroom management for teachers. Yeah. If teachers were to learn these skills. In fact, I've got a chapter in my fourth book, De-Escalate How to Calm an Angry Person in 90 Seconds or Less. i got a whole chapter devoted to using these skills in classroom management. Wow. I can't tell you how many teachers have gotten the book and emailed me and saved, this, saved their lives. But what, And especially in America, I would imagine, because that's where you're, yeah. Chaotic here. Just chaos. Yeah. Yeah, we we don't tend to have quite as much chaos as you guys. Um, so yeah, yeah. But there's a whole political minefield I don't want to go down because well, I think everyone enough. outside of the states is looking at the US, going, "Why do you still allow X, Y, and Z?" Right? Uh, but like, hey, you know, you'll sort uh, it out at some point. It's the way it's the way our government was set up back in the beginning, and it's come to come back to haunt us, unfortunately. But yeah. you, we can have. I do teach people how to have a calm conversation with the politically polarized. You can have a conversation with somebody who whose views you just abhor, yeah. and it, it, can be, it can be very transformational. And you just have to ask four questions. What first, questions? Four questions. First okay. of all, if you're going to have a conversation with somebody that is politically polarized from you, you have to have a different agenda. Your agenda is not to persuade. Your agenda is to listen and understand. I, I agree with you because you're, you're never going to, yeah. You're going to ask four questions. The first question is, so Claire, tell me about all the things that happened in your life that led you to the values that you so strongly hold today. Okay. So you tell me the story, and as you're telling me the story, I ethic label you. I label your emotional experiences. And then the second question is, so that's really interesting, Claire. Tell me how these values help you in your everyday life. How do they guide you in your everyday life? And you th start thinking about that. I ethic label and listen, reflective listening. Then the third question is, so Claire, how do you deal with people who, who don't agree with your values? How do you how do you work with them? You work with that. And That's then, a bit challenging, though. But yeah, carry you know, on. Sometimes you get the snarky comments. Well, I'll shoot them, of course. But no, so yeah. How do you do that? And well, how do you shoot them? <laughs> how do you mostly, how do you do that and get rid of the body? <laughs> right. Mostly it's avoiding. You know, they avoid. And then the last question, which is the most thought provoking, is all right, Claire. So, how should our society and culture deal? with all these different beliefs and values that clash with each other, what kind of a society and culture should we have when, to deal with all of the, all of these differences in polarization? And that gets them thinking. Uh, well, I, I would hope you would start to get them thinking with all of those questions because, right. like, and yeah, find, they need to. That's right. Well, you find out that you have much more in common than you have indifference. And that's the thing that's powerful about listening is you learn about your common ground. Yeah, yeah. Instead of focusing on the things that separate you, you focus on the things that bring you together. No, and that's really positive. I think that that's so positive. And I think at the end of the day, we're all human beings, right? So we all have these emotions and stuff like that. It's just really 
the journey that we've taken that may influence our values and beliefs and where we where we're basically sitting on whatever side of the fence or even if we're sitting on the fence right um it's about what's happened in our lives as to where we are um right yeah no it's and and look i you know i sit here in an agnostic neutral position but i go well you know like everybody has a right to their own views and values and behaviors as such well maybe not behaviors but views right um but they've also got to do the active listening right and listen and respect everyone else right i go you can have your view right it's good listen to, listen, you listen to learn yeah yeah not to argue. no no i yeah nope, nope fights to be right too many people fight to be right very few people listen to learn and very even fewer people understand how to do deep listening ethically. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, and there've been a few journalists who, um, and this is only because you're statewide, but like, um, there's been a few, like, I think there was a Indian journalist or an Indian ethnicity journalist who basically wanted to understand and talk to people within the Ku Klux Klan or within like that male uh, white supremacy um, area that um, sort of got to know, know them and they got to know her. I think it was a she. And um, they then came out. They said, no, we're not, we don't want to be in this. And actually like, you know, sort of got an epiphany as such around what they were right. doing wasn't maybe the best, you know, right. best option for humans right. as it were so yeah yeah yeah. Right. my gosh so okay so are there well, I'm, I'm gonna say are there key mistakes that we make that would affect our listening like i yeah so so what are, why do we distract why why can't we the, re, the beauty about uh, the beauty of emotional listening is it gives you something to focus on it's really hard for us to process words. We get easily distracted. Somebody says something, it triggers a memory or another thought, and our mind goes carrying off somewhere else. Or we spend 90% of our processing power thinking about what we're going to say next. Um, or somebody says something, and we don't know how to respond, and so we kind of go into panic mode. The beauty about learning deep listening is that none of that stuff happens, which means your concentration and focus on the speaker is, is 100%. You're never distracted because it's it. First of all, it's really fascinating, and our mind, our brains naturally are attracted to the emotions of another person, uh, and and so we can avoid all the common pitfalls that people get into when they're when they're trying to listen but don't listen or can't listen or won't listen because they don't have they don't have a fo- focal point to focus their mind on to to stay focused on what the speaker is expressing. And that's another reason why listening to emotions is so powerful. So what you're saying is the biggest mistake we make is that we don't actually deeply listen and we're focusing on the words. And that's where we go, oh, I I need to cook something for dinner because the words are are like, (laughs) what am I going to cook for dinner or whatever? That's because the words are not like we're not deeply listening and focusing on the emotions and things like that. We're just listening to yeah, the words. The words are really boring. Yeah, wow. Words are boring. Yeah. 
Words are boring. Emotions are interesting. What makes what makes a speaker really magnificent? It's not the words. It's how they say the words with emotionality. Mm. It's the emotion behind the words that give the words weight. And if all we do is listen to words and don't pay attention to the underlying emotions, we're missing 93% of what the person is expressing. Yeah. And I suppose this is where comedians are such good storytellers, right? Because they have that energy and mm -hmm. they change the speed you know of the story the and like. You know how to put the emotions behind what they're saying behind the monologues. And they can act it out and they can express it. And the audience loves it because they all have the shared experience. And usually in comedy, it's negative, you know, it's like shame or ridicule or stuff like that. But but everybody's had the shared experience, and so people can 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 laugh about it because they understand the emotion. But if you were to ask people what exactly are the emotions that this that's in this story, they wouldn't be able to tell you. No, that's true. Yeah. Because they're emotionally they're emotionally illiterate. Yeah. Wow. They can react. They can react to the emotion, but they can't. They can't tell you what the emotions are. So in some of these podcast interviews that you've been doing with these these leaders, right, is this what they, have they, like, have they, do they just do this naturally? They just pick it up and it's it's something that they naturally, they don't. I'm learning most of them. Why are they good leaders then? <laughs> most of the, I think they are, are all very good leaders. But my experience has been so far that most of them are superficial listeners. Wow. And, and. It's this happens a lot. I mean, whenever I start a workshop, I always say, how, how many of you think you're great listeners? Nobody raises their hand. And at the end of the workshop, how many of you thought you all thought you were pretty good listeners? What do you think today? And in prison, the reaction we get is we can't listen for shit. <laughs> that's, wow. that's what my inmates tell me. Um, but that's pretty much the common reaction. We all think we're good listeners. But we're not. Because it takes training. Mm. It's practice. And it takes a you have to go through a curriculum of learning how to listen to really become a good listener. It is this is not something that happens naturally. It's not intuitive. It's not innate. It's a skill that has to be honed and practiced. Well, I, I was gonna say you have to practice it, right? You because you can't just attend a course, read a book or whatever, and then go, right, well, yeah. I've got it now. That's all good. You've got to keep practicing it. Um and that's why and I that's why when I do a workshop, I will never walk into an organization and do a one-off workshop for a half a day or a day. I'll never do that. I refuse it to. So when you hire me to do a workshop on deep listening, you're gonna get me for say six hours, and then everybody's gonna agree that we're gonna meet for one hour every week for the next four weeks. Wow. During that week, you're gonna practice and we're gonna to come together on a Zoom group and find out what happened. So I'm providing accountability and support to my students. And that's how they master the skills. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. Blimey. Okay. So, look, where can people learn? One, well, you've written four books, like you've said, right? I've written four books, and right. they are awesome books, right? And we discussed them on the last podcast as well. So, go back and listen to that podcast because that's awesome as well. Diffusing and having difficult conversations, which sort of covers a little bit about what we've it's said regarding listening, right? The difficult conversations piece is simply an application of the broader listening that we're talking about in this today. 
So where can people find you, Doug? Where can they find you? Um, DougNoll.com, D-O-U-G-N-O-L-L.com, Doug at DougNoll.com to email me. Uh, and I'm on social media, uh, LinkedIn. I've got a strong LinkedIn presence. If you want to watch a lot of my videos, check out my YouTube channel called The Power of Emotional Competence. And I've got a whole bunch of videos up that talk about all this stuff. And, you know, Google me. You can Google Doug Noll, D-O-U-G-N-O-L-L, or you can Google me Douglas E. Noll. And just Google me and you'll find, you'll learn more about me than you ever want to know. Yeah, I was going to say, Google Doug and it's all good. Like it all comes up. It's like ching, 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 ching. So yeah, it it all comes up. So it's great. Yeah. And like your books, um, where can people get your books if they wanted to get your books? They're on your site. Yeah, you can get them off my site. But that, but uh, uh, at least, yeah, I think almost all, uh, yeah, I think they're all available on, on Amazon. Yeah. I know. I know Elusive Peace, which is my third book, and Deescalate are clearly on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, you can get, you can buy the book off my website. Uh, you can buy it, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, any good, any, any major bookseller will be carrying the book. It's a, you know, it was published by Simon & Schuster, so it's a well distributed. So it's out there. It's definitely out it's, there. No, I it's like good. It. You can get it in German, Spanish, Chinese, Arabic, I think, and English. Gosh, that's a few languages. Yeah. Well done, you. Um, no, that's great. That's awesome. Look, um, yeah, look, it's definitely been an advantage. When we spoke last time, we sort of dipped into the the effective listening. Um, I don't want to call it. I just want to affective listening, isn't it? Affect, not. I'm trying not to call it active, right? No, it's, <laughs> Let's get the terminology. It's reflective listening. Oh, okay. Of which the fourth and deepest level is called affect. Affective. Yeah. A- affect labeling is a affect form labeling. of reflective. reflective listening. Oh God, I've got to get it right. Um, yeah. So um, and I and so I have I have tried it on my son, which diff- diffuses some situations in the fact that I'm just going. You feel angry. You feel, you uh, yeah, Perfect. exactly. With, but it is with, very hard to then n- Im- not embellish on any of that either, right? Yeah. Really keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the hard are, bit. Well, it's just because we're conditioned the other way. But what, what, when you do affect label him, what, what do you, what behavior, what, what do you see him do? What's he do? Oh, he sort of, it's, it's, it is like he goes, oh, you see me, mum, right? You like, and it diffuses, and it does. Like, if I go, you're angry or you're frustrated, um, I have to be careful not to say, I see you're frustrated, right? Because then that's back to me. Exactly, right? So it's, um, oh, you're angry. Perfect. And he might go, yeah, I am angry, or I'm, I hate you, mum, or whatever. I don't know. Uh, probably because I've. Yeah. You can say that in that moment, in that moment, he's really angry, he's frustrated. And then you follow up. You say you feel really disrespected. You don't feel like you're being heard. You don't feel supported and appreciated. And it's so, and, and you're right, right? Because the level starts to change yeah. the other way, right? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it is interesting with kids. Most importantly, he feels deeply heard. And that's really important. You're creating emotional safety for him. Well, I have to say that was one of the things as a child that I 
was very, <laughs> here you go, active listening. I was very frustrated as a child that nobody listened to me. Nobody That's actually right. took on board my emotions and right. they were real emotions to me, right? But it was discounted, right? Because I'm a kid. What would I know, you know, right? And blah, blah, blah. And, and I was a kid and I probably didn't know half of life, right? But that's the challenge. Um, and so I'm very cognizant of making my son feel as though he is listened and heard to. And having the conversation with you, oh, God, way back, helped me to actually go, right, okay, I need to recognise and see him and recognise what he's got as an emotion-wise and all of that stuff. Excellent. Yeah. And that's the, that's the best way to coach a child into adulthood is by listening to their emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I sort of thought he he needs to learn emotional intelligence, right? Because out in that big wide world, if you don't have emotional intelligence, then yeah. Well, just... who is the best person to teach him emotional intelligence? Uh, me. <laughs> yeah, but I need to get a grip of my emotional intelligence as well, right? So that's sort of the, you know, monkey see, monkey do thing, really. The, key, the beauty of it, Claire, is that when you label his emotions, you're demonstrating emotional intelligence. Yes. You, you are not only helping him develop his emotional intelligence, you're developing your own emotional intelligence at the same time. Every time you epic label somebody, you reprogram your brain. Yeah. Okay. And so the more you epic label, the faster and more powerful the reprogramming is, and the more emotionally intelligent you become. Just this one simple practice changes everything. Yeah. But you've got to remember to say no eyes in anything. It's all about you. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Well, look, so Doug, I always ask one final question and I've asked you like the last one that I've been asking people. So I'm changing it up today, changing it up okay. today. What would be your life motto? What, what is your life motto? What would you, what one sentence would you live your life by? Serve humanity. Okay, cool. I'm loving your work. No, that my, would be fair my enough. Life is all about service to humanity. This is the first time I've asked this question, so maybe I need to think about how I phrase it so that you can understand it, right? But it's like, yeah, what motto would you live? What motto would you tell people you live your life by? And it's serve humanity. That's awesome. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, no, that's well. I, I left me speechless. I can't say anything more than that. Really, serve humanity is like we should all be doing that, shouldn't we? And, and that doesn't mean that you have to go out and do something like Mother Teresa or even the Prison of Peace Project, which has turned out to be a pretty major thing. You can serve humanity by listening other people into existence. Yeah. All you have to do is listen. Perfect strangers, listen to them, reflect their emotions and listen them into existence. That's service, huge yeah. service, huge service. Yeah, no, no, it is. It definitely is. It's just, it's everyone doing small things I could it, change this world. All we got to do is keep throwing pebbles in the pond of peace and pretty soon ripples become tsunamis. Yes, no, that's right. That's right. That's a nice, that's a nice way of phrasing it. Every time we epic label somebody, we're throwing a pebble into the pond of peace. So come on, people, start throwing those pebbles. We need a tsunami <laughs> of peace. Yeah, no, but you're right. You're right. You're right. I know I joke about things like this, but you are definitely, definitely right. Look, Doug, thank you so much for coming on the coming on the Better podcast again.
It's yeah. great. It's great to speak to you again. And um, yeah, you can now, people don't know this about you, but you can now go and play your violin because Doug plays oh. jazz violin. I've got to go bake some French bread first for dinner, but oh. then I'm going to play violin. There are so many strings to your bow, so many strings to your bow, quite literally. Um, look, thank you so much for coming on here again. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll speak to you again. Absolutely, Claire. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you would like to hear more, please hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. If you would like to support us further, share this episode with your friends and family. And finally, drop us a review on iTunes as I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments and ideas. It all helps me to understand and produce awesome content you want to hear just like this. If you want to check out our past episodes, write to us, appear on the podcast or for links, resources and show notes, go to our website www.strongsingleandhuman.com We are also on all the usual social media platforms, Insta, Facey and Twitter. I hope you have a wonderful week and I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself and remember, no one is perfect. We're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast.